0: I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum.
1: There are, of course, those who do not want us to speak. Greed, deception, abuse of power, that's no plan. They they keep knowledge, you know, they're they're total masters of deception. They manipulate everything. You know, these these pricks at the hell that lie
0: do us. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Miss Lorensky. I never told anybody to lie. Not a single time. Never. These allegations are false. And I need to go back to work for the American people. They're they're setting it up for the Great Deception.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean it, it all revolves around the Great Deception.
0: Yeah, bingo. And L.A. and I talked about that. I said, L.A., is this the great deception? And he didn't hesitate. He said, absolutely.
2: I never used to question before, and now I
1: question everything.
0: Well, we are opposed around the
1: world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice,
3: on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day.
0: The world needs a wake-up call. We're going to phone it in.
1: And welcome to the Great Deception Podcast. I'm your host, Matt. Thanks for joining me like to start and just get a few housekeeping items out of the way. Um, some of you may or may not be aware, but I did start a Patreon, so uh, I can start having people make contributions to the show. i um, looking to make some improvements here, but um, on the Patreon page, I have a uh, a $3, a $5, and a $8 tier. And, you know, for now, what I'm putting up there is uh, you get all the Monday Night Master Debater videos, uh, episodes up there. Uh, I'm going to put some of the episodes that are like banned from YouTube, like uh, the Chicago video episode that I put together. Uh, I'm going to share some books on here. Um, some of Fomenko's books I'll, I'll put up here for, for patrons. And uh, as we go through, guys, I'm going to start, um, you know, adjusting the perks and, and, and upping them. As, as we get more folks to hop on board. But I want to start by thanking uh, Shayla. I want to thank Ryan, Davey, Jeremiah, and Chris. You guys are uh, big supporters of the show. I want to thank you all so much. Your, your contributions mean the world to me, honestly. I didn't think anyone would listen, let alone contribute. But with that said, everything is appreciated we also have merchandise. Now guys, we have t-shirts for men and women. We have tanks for women. I'm working on a, a tank for some, for the guys. We have some hoodies. Um, we have, yeah, the usual mugs and you know, uh, tumblers and glasses and things like that too. But Hey, go check it out. Um, it's some really cool merch. Uh, so far, so good. I tried to keep the prices as low as I could. Um, you know, they want us to jack it up and make a big profit. I'm not in this for profit, guys. I'm just uh, just looking to keep the show growing, provide a better product for you all, and, uh, and let you all enjoy the show with me. So with that said, um, man, we are in some crazy times right now um uh, and, and we talked about it last week this is nothing new really right this this plan of destruction this upheaval that we see right and we saw it in tulsa in 1921 in, in with the black wall street being destroyed over you know what amounted to little more than a false flag i mean the gentleman was acquitted was never even tried she you know asked to have the charges dropped So all of those people died for what? So someone else could take over the land. And because they were living outside of what they need, you know, they didn't need the government. They were self-sufficient, right? Remember the dollar was passed around there on average over 30 times. I mean, that's, that's what we need to strive for these days, a sense of community, a sense of togetherness, but, the problem is when you do that, good old Uncle Sam and the criminals that run the government of the United States and the three letter agencies, they don't like that. So like we saw in Tulsa, they had no problem allegedly dropping bombs on American citizens.
4: Think about that. How insane that is to drop
1: bombs on your own citizens. Now, if you think that's crazy, guys, a little more than thirty-five years ago, it happened again in Philadelphia, and we'll get there in a minute. But if you think this whole, you know, we're in a time of narratives, right? As soon as anything happens, there's a narrative that comes out. I'm, I'm talking big events like these, the recent school shootings, and. Uh, the, the recent gun violence in the last month, right? We've just seen it blow up on the scene. Now, some say it's a distraction, which it very well could be, because there's a lot of other stuff going on right now. We have things like inflation, gas prices are skyrocketing, food prices, we're seeing we're hearing of not necessarily seeing scarcity in uh, of certain items we're seeing we're certainly seeing delays in shipping and manufacturing i know that from my work and my personal life and from others that share podcasts and things like that so we're in a time of madness and one of the agendas
4: here at least, is guns.
1: And the reason being is that the criminals that run the country cannot do what they want to us at will like they can in other countries because we have the largest militia in the world. That is the armed American citizen. And that's a threat
4: to their government and they don't like that so what we're seeing now is politicalization of tragic events where people lose their lives not doubting that but to come out right after that
1: and talk about how We need to go after the gun lobby. Now, these are the people that run the country and and should be doing this stuff. They're telling us that we should go after these people, not they should do their job and do what we want them to as they represent us, or at least they're supposed to. Instead, we know one side has a real kick against guns. They want them gone. But yet, the hypocrisy of it is they all have armed security. And they live in these gated communities where there is no threat of violence, really, to them. If there is, it has to get through multiple lines of defense. Whereas you or I, for the most part, depending on where you live, can see it on a daily basis. Can be threatened on a daily basis. And having something to defend yourself... Well, that's what I see as American: the ability to defend my property, to defend my family, my being. I mean, that's not too much to ask. And if we're gonna, you know, take all the guns away and think this country is going to be safer and think that crime is going to go down and that criminals still won't obtain weapons, you're out of your mind. I mean, that's just that's living in a in a fairy tale land. But. This isn't anything new. Largest mass shooting in U.S. history happened on December 29th, 1890. And this is when 297 Sioux Indians at Wounded Knee Creek on Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in South Dakota were murdered by federal agents and members of the 7th Cavalry had come to confiscate their firearms for their own safety and protection so it was said the slaughter began after the majority of the sioux had begun peacefully turning in their arms then for no reason the cavalry began shooting and managed to wipe out the entire camp 200 of the 297 victims were women and children Wounded Knee was among the first federally-backed gun confiscation attempts in U.S. history. It ended in the senseless murder of 297 people, okay? And we talked about Tulsa last week, right? The wealthiest Black community in America burned to the ground, destroyed in a matter of hours. 35 city blocks
4: wiped out. For what? Because they didn't like the way these
1: people lived. And the amount of violence that was used by the government, by armed forces that represent the government, is unacceptable. And it's happened throughout time. And what you're going to start seeing is, it's always funny how the U.S. is you know, in the for the last 20 plus years, has battled terrorism. While I would argue for the last, since the country's inception, it has been one of the largest terrorist organizations in the world. To its own people, domestically, and foreignly, abroad. Think of all the innocent people that have been killed by our government In the name of democracy. It's disgusting. And we're supposed to just sit here and support these people and give them more power. And they think they're going to solve the problem with more legislation. It's not something you can legislate. Because. This isn't taking place by law abiding citizens. Okay, these events. These people were going to get weapons one way or the other. But here's the problem. When you try to arm yourself and defend yourself, they don't like it. So let's take a look at Ruby Ridge. I don't know if anyone's familiar with that, but in August of 1992, um, it was the site of an 11-day siege in um idaho okay so it started on august 21st uh when deputies in u.s marshal service went to apprehend and arrest randy weaver under a bench warrant after his failure to appear on firearms charges we refused to surrender and members of his immediate family and family friend kevin harris resisted as well the hostage rescue team of the fbi became involved as the siege developed. Of course, you always see the three-letter agencies. So during the U.S. Marshal Service um, surveying the Weaver property, six U.S. Marshals encountered Harris and Weaver's 14-year-old son, Sammy, in the woods near the cabin. A shootout took place. Deputy U.S. Marshal William Francis Deegan, Sammy Weaver, and the Weaver's dog, Stryker, all died as a result. In the subsequent siege of the Weaver residence, Weaver's wife and the children's mother, Vicky, was killed on her front porch by an FBI sniper. How disgusting is that? An unarmed woman killed on her front porch by an FBI sniper. All the casualties occurred in the first two days of the operation. It was ultimately resolved by negotiations. Harris surrendered and was arrested on August 30th, while Weaver and three of his daughters surrendered the next day. Weaver was, they both were acquitted on all charges. The Weavers won a combined out-of-court settlement in August of 1995 of $3.1 There we go. Senseless loss of life. Because the federal government
4: overstep their bounds
1: okay because in the initial firearms charges were bullshit too that he was wanted on the bench warrant for it was just the courts messing with the weaver family okay there's one example the next example even more glaring and more relevant is the 1993 waco massacre by the atf and the fbi so the waco siege as some would call it is also known as the waco massacre it was a siege where law enforcement uh stormed the compound that belonged to a religious sect of people called the branch davidians it was carried out by the u.s federal government texas state law enforcement and the u.s military Uh, it went on between february 28th and april 19th 1993 the branch davidians were led by david koresh and were headquartered at mount carmel center ranch in the community of axtel texas um it was you know just northeast of waco so the feds suspected that the group in the compound were stockpiling illegal weapons so the Uh, Bureau of Alcohol and Tobacco and Firearms or good old ATF obtained a search warrant for the compound and arrest warrants for Koresh, as well as a select few of the group's members. The incident began when the ATF attempted to serve a search and arrest warrant on the ranch. An An intense gunfight ensued, resulting in the deaths of four agents and six Branch Davidians. Upon the ATFs entering the property, And failure to execute the search warrant, a siege lasting 51 days was initiated by the FBI. Eventually, the FBI uh, launched an assault and initiated a tear gas attack in an attempt to force the Branch Davidians out of the ranch. Shortly thereafter, the Mount Carmel Center became engulfed in flames. The fire resulted in the deaths of 76 Branch Davidians, including 25 children. Two pregnant women, and David Koresh himself. Now, what they don't tell you here is during the siege, they would sit there and torment these people, flying helicopters overhead. They had them surrounded with guns pointed at them. They had tanks. They would blast insanely loud heavy metal music and, and disturbing music to just mess with these people. Why? Because they suspected them of stockpiling firearms. Because heaven forbid they'd be able to defend themselves against the country. Do you think these people were going on the offensive? No. They wanted to set up their own little piece of property and defend it. And instead, the U.S. government shoots tear gas into a house full of women and children, smashing the side in with a tank. I mean that that sounds peaceful to me. But that's our US government. Okay? They are terrorists. Straight up terrorists. And that's what we have to understand and take them on for. Now, the purpose of tonight's show. And I I've it was funny because I, I came across this obviously in my last episode of talking about the 1921 Tulsa massacre. And I remember as a, a real little kid seeing it on the news, like them talking about a hell. I remember the helicopter and the package being dropped, and them talking about like a bomb in, in, in America. And I was like, as a little kid, it just didn't make sense to me. And so this is back in Philadelphia in 1985. And I heard this on the uh, conspiracy or just a coincidence uh, podcast. Um, Jack was talking about it with one of his guests who brought up the 1985 bombing. And that, that sparked it in my head again. I was like, man, I, ha- I got to look into this some more. And so I came across it last week. Our last episode in, in the uh, Tulsa research. So, on May 13th, 1985, in, on Osage Avenue in Philadelphia, residents watched their, through their windows and TV screens in a state of stunned disbelief. Why? Because by the following morning, 61 homes had been burned to ashes, leaving 250 residents homeless.
4: What happened? Philadelphia
1: Police Department dropped a bomb in a residential area from a helicopter. Okay. And what they were doing is they were going after a group of people who weren't exactly living by the American rules. They didn't want to live. They wanted to have their own little area again. So they set up this thing, this little, it's not really a community. It wasn't like a, it was a a house, a townhouse, you know, one of those big old block houses you see, like a a brownstone type um, area. And what happened was there was 13 of these people living in this house and only two got out alive the remaining 11, which happened to be five children between the ages of seven and 13. They were also burned with the fire of the complex. So we're just passing, you know, the 37th anniversary of this This just happened a couple weeks ago. And we're just rapidly approaching the hundred and first anniversary of the Tulsa riots. Um, but what, I'm trying to do much like everyone else is, is bring awareness to this. I mean, this is an absolute atrocity here. It's another instance where American, uh, American civilians were attacked on American soil. This time by bombing. And then the other was dropping dynamite, right? like allegedly in Tulsa. And this just reeks of government overreach, excessive use of force. They just bombed their own people. I mean, how insane is that? So let's go through the story a little bit. So like we said, on May 13th, 1985, there was long-standing tensions between the group called MOVE, which was a black liberation group. And the Philly PD. And it just erupted on this night. And this wasn't the first time, okay? MOVE, originally a Christian movement for life, is a communal organization that advocates <clears throat> for uh, nature, natural laws and natural living. And it was founded in 1972 in Philadelphia by John Africa, who was born Vincent Leppard. The name MOVE, styled in all capital letters, is not an acronym. MOVE lived in a communal setting in West Philadelphia, abiding by philosophies of anarcho-primitivism. The group combined revolutionary ideology, similar to that of the Black Panthers, with work for animal rights. MOVE is particularly known for two major conflicts, right? Like, this is the one with the philly pd in 1985 and the other one was in 1978 and that one was a standoff that resulted in the death of one police officer and the injuries to 16 others and firefighters you know officers and firefighters as well as members of the move organization nine members of the group were convicted of killing the officer and each received prison sentences of 30 to 100 years. So now let's move forward to 1985, okay? And, and this 1978 um, conflict, again, <laughs> the police just used excessive force. I mean, you, you look at some of the pictures that we'll see here and they're just disgusting. I mean, you have massive amounts of cops with armed weapons at women, children, people with their hands in the air. You know, I mean, and again, who fired first? That, it always comes down to that. And, and the government always says they were fired upon first. When a lot of the times you look at it and one of them gets spooked. And uh, what happens? They end up firing and then all hell breaks loose. And and that's what happened in 1978. 1978 was an absolute gun battle. I mean, they had these people pinned in the basement. And, you know, and, and there's a lot of question over who actually killed that cop, too. Because a lot of the some of the evidence supported that you know, being that these people are in the basement, the, the shot came from above, not from below. So it couldn't, it could have been, in all likelihood friendly fire that killed the police officer and not the MOVE group. Where the MOVE nine were sentenced to 30 to 100 years for murdering a police officer and injuring others. I mean, yeah, I get it. But again, if the situation in all likelihood it could have been avoided, but law enforcement loves to swing the hammer. So, at 5:27 p.m., a helicopter rose into the sky and carried out its orders, flying over the largely African American residential neighborhood of West Philly. He lined up his sights, lit the fuse for uh, lit the 45 second fuse with a military igniter and followed his orders. I reached out and I dropped it. Perfect. It was going right where it was supposed to go. Frank Powell said he was the police officer that dropped the bomb that night. The city of Philadelphia dropped a satchel bomb a demolition device typically used in combat laced with Tovex and C4 explosives onto the move organization who are living in West Philly row home known to be occupied by men, women, and children. I mean, it just, and we'll see the pictures here. And if, if you're not, If you're listening to this, uh, I will have this video up on YouTube so you can see some of these pictures because, I mean, some of the photos are just disgusting. It all went up in unextinguished flames. As I said before, 11 people were killed, five children, and then John Africa himself. 61 homes were destroyed. And 250 people left homeless. So now, what I want is for you to hear a first-hand account of the lone survivor, the lone adult survivor, who is Ramona Africa, who is John Africa's uh, counterpart. Let's hear what she has to say.
2: Uh, After being attacked the way we were, first with four deluge hoses uh, by the fire department and then tons of tear gas and then being shot at, the police admit to shooting over 10,000 rounds of bullets at us in the first 90 minutes. Um, There was a lull, You know, it was quiet for a little bit. And then, without any warning at all, two members of the Philadelphia Police Department's bomb squad got in a Pennsylvania State Police helicopter and flew over our home and dropped. A satchel containing C4, a powerful military explosive that no municipal police department has. They had to get it from the federal government, from the FBI. And without any announcement or
4: warning or anything, they dropped that bomb on the roof of our home. That what?
0: So you
1: heard that. They sprayed them with fire hoses shot at them as they tried to leave and then dropped a bomb on them right they shot at women and children forcing them to go back into the fire how insane is that that's the way they do things all right let's hear her talk again miss ramona africa
2: without any announcement or warning or anything, they dropped that bomb on the roof of our home. Now, at that point, we didn't know exactly what they had done. We heard the loud explosion. The house kind of shook, but it never entered my mind that they dropped a bomb on us, but the bomb did, in fact, ignite a fire. And uh, not long after that, it got very, very hot in the house, and the smoke was getting thicker. At first, we thought it was tear gas, but as it got thicker, it became clear that this wasn't tear gas, that this was something else. And then we could hear the trees outside of our house crackling and realized that our home was on fire, and we immediately tried to get our children our animals, our dogs and cats
4: and ourselves out of that blazing inferno.
1: You hear that? Trying to get
4: out of the blazing inferno. Madness. I mean, it's insane to think about what
1: was done to these people? Women, mainly women and children, right? I mean, look at this. These kids are, poor kids are naked, coming out of the house naked. This guy's getting pulled by his hair. Again, these are 1978. So this is the first run-in that MOVE had with the Philly PD here on the, uh, on the screen. And you're seeing just an excessive
4: amount of force just
1: madness all around so let's take a look back at this okay so this was going to be you know something that i mean you how can you forget it how can you just overlook it it's something that you can't just sweep under the rug the show of force which was unjustified to most solidified the mistrust between philly's residents and the government much like the others with citizens in the american government citizens and these agencies okay so jason oster uh the director of let the fire burn a documentary about the bombing said the story is a, a parable of sorts. It's a parable of how the unthinkable comes to happen. It's a tragedy, in my opinion. Everyone who, had, who was an adult in the city failed that day. Collectively, the whole city failed. Yeah, right? And, and so what was MOVE and why was there this issue with them? Well, like we said before, they, they were created by John Africa in 1972 okay he was a korean war vet whose you know ideology combined with like the black revolutionaries of the time and with environmental and animal rights as well as the back to nature movement right they wanted to get to kind of that natural living that way of living the off-grid way of life less government less oversight, less taxes, a way of life that a lot of us would agree with. Now, the way they went about it may not have been the right way, but it's something that it sounds like all of us are kind of striving for. But what you're going to see is is the members of the groups had frequent run-ins with the law, right? I mean, like we said, in 1978, the move engaged in a 15 month standoff after the mayor, Frank Rizzo, uh, who had a notoriously volatile relationship with the black community and the activists in the city. He ordered the group to be removed from their home. Right. So the conversation then ended with the dead police officer, the nine move members who got arrested. Okay. And they were basically, you know, given life sentences. So in 81, the group reloaded and that's when they moved to this place in Osage Avenue. Okay. And it was kind of like, you know, it was a black middle-class neighborhood in West Philly. But the problem was that these people didn't, they weren't the best of neighbors. They didn't really fit in. They didn't want to live like the other people in the neighborhood. So the neighbors lodged numerous complaints, you know, about the move compound and their interaction with the neighborhood. Now, if I'm going to be the neighbors, I can't disagree with being pissed off because these people at times acted like they could do whatever they wanted, you know, like, I mean, there was always trash. They didn't believe in trash pickup. Um, they, there was always confrontations. Um, and then what was crazy is the move group would broadcast messages on bullhorns. Now some political subject, some just obscene. So needless to say, the neighbors weren't too happy with that. So after they'd been there for three years, <laughs> then you have the new the mayor, black mayor, Wilson Good. He gave the order to a victim from their new place. So um what started as like a door-to-door um evacuation of the neighborhood the night before became a violent day-long standoff that no one in the community will ever forget. You know? This is something that you can't just sweep under the rug. So let's listen to this clip right here.
0: Um the inside the house were, were uh at that point of five children aged seven to thirteen years old. They perished along with six adults. One of the six adults was the founder of the MOVE organization, John Africa. Uh, A number of MOVE members tried to escape. And as you've indicated, uh, Ramona was the sole surviving adult. There was a child named Bertie Africa, who uh, later became Michael uh, Michael Ward. Uh, They uh, were able to escape. When they were coming out, we heard gunfire. And it was later determined that police fired on the escaping move members, driving some of them back into the house. But in the convoluted logic that uh, many of us have seen over the last year from grand juries in uh, St. Louis County and in, in New York and uh, in uh, Southern Ohio where the guy was uh, a shot in a Walmart, uh, the, the, uh, the grand jury under the control of Philadelphia prosecutors determined that move members ran back into the house not because police were firing at them, but because they mistakenly believed that... Police were firing at them and or they ran back to intentionally commit suicide.
1: Okay, so you heard that right there. The government's explanation was that these people heard, thought they heard gunfire, mistakenly heard gunfire and ran back into a burning building. That makes sense, right? That's that's exactly what you would do the building's burning you're trying to escape with children now these are women that are trying to escape with children they get outside or get to the doorway are fired upon we're told they thought they heard they were fired upon and ran back into it and if that's not the case well they did it they ran back in to intentionally commit suicide Right, This is the kind of bullshit we get from the government to justify their narrative. And it's totally unacceptable. And it's total trash. And we see it over and over with all of these scenarios. Now, whether they're
4: false flags, whether they're
1: government-sponsored terrorism, who knows? But either way, the story never adds up. And their explanation is always bullshit. Let's hear a little more from Mr. Washington.
0: Well, the MOVE Commission, which was a panel that the Mayor Good had set up to investigate it, but had no power to do anything other than make recommendations, found monumental incompetence on the part of all city officials, from the mayor through the managing director to the police director. Uh, or should I say, the police commissioner. One of the findings, though, I think one of the most prominent findings was that the deaths of those children were unjustified homicides, and they recommended a, a criminal investigation and also charges to be brought. The grand jury determined that they were not Uh, uh, unjustified homicides, that the deaths were uh, as a result of this uh, uh, proposed or presumed suicide. And they came to many startling conclusions, one of which was the bomb that was dropped on the children. There was no illegality there because the force of the bomb only applied to the adults in the house as if the bomb could blow up. And the fire could burn, and it wouldn't impact the children. It was absolutely ridiculous, but it's the kind of convoluted reasoning we see too often with grand juries involving issues of police abuse.
4: Did you hear that? That's insanity.
1: Absolute insanity. That the bomb wouldn't affect the children. It's just going to affect the adults, right? You're going to drop an explosive device on a house full of women and children, but it's only going to affect the adults. Guys, this is what I just just got done saying. This is how ridiculous the case is, okay? It doesn't make any sense
4: whatsoever. I mean,
1: look at the devastation here. So you had six adults that died in the fire. You had John Africa, right? The leader of the movement. You had Frank Africa, Teresa Africa, Conrad Africa, Rhonda Africa, who was the mother of Bertie. This is the only kid who escaped the fire. And Raymond Africa. The five children that died in the fire were Tree, Netta, who is Tree's sister, Felicia, little Phil, tornasa or tomasa only two people survived as we said it was ramona and the child little birdie africa who later changed his name to michael ward both were badly burnt and both refused to have the scars fixed they wanted to keep them as a
4: reminder
1: Uh, I mean, it's just so hard to think about this, like just so senseless, the unnecessary deaths, the unnecessary violence. So it says, despite two grand jury investigations, a civil suit and a commission final report that cited the bombing as reckless, ill-conceived and hastily approved. No one was ever criminally charged in the attack. And that's where the problem lies. No accountability, no repercussions for the government acting out of line, acting illegally, acting immorally. These are people, these aren't animals. But that's how they see us, guys. And that's what you have to understand. Your law enforcement, for the most part, sees you nothing but animals.
4: And it's their job to keep you in line. The government. We're called a herd,
1: guys. Herd immunity. Remember these terms? Right? We are nothing more than cattle to these people and we have to understand this and we have to start acting like it right understanding that they think of us as less than and stop listening to their bullshit and start pushing back because enough's enough and it's only going to get worse right like patriot act was supposed to be temporary 20 years later, you still got to take your shoes off in the airport. You still didn't get any of those liberties back. You still have the Department of Homeland Security. You have all these other agencies, this government that grew because of this. How, oh, how lucky. We have a tragedy and the government grows, or the government makes more laws, more taxes, more fees. Do you see who benefits here from all this? It's not you or I. We are the victims. We are the pawns in this game. The ones who benefit are the government, are these groups. Survivor Ramona Africa immediately went on to serve seven years in prison on rioting and conspiracy charges for arrest warrants before the bombing. We were deluged with water and gas, like she said before in the quote. When that didn't work to bring us out of the house, they dropped the bomb that shook the whole house. She was able to get out through the basement along with Bertie and the others were forced back in under a hail of gunfire. Even though the police say she mistakenly heard gunfire. Ramona was badly burned in the fire for her pains. She was arrested, right? And charged with conspiracy. And the only person ever convicted of crimes arising from the attack. So no officers, like we said, no one else had to pay any price for this.
4: She said, we don't want
1: an, we don't want an apology. They can't make up for what they did. They can't bring our people back who they murdered. Right, these were unnecessary deaths. These are negligent deaths, and it didn't have to happen this way. Okay, it didn't. There's no need for it to have happened this way. Jim Bergheier was on
4: uh, police duty that night
1: and helped Birdie Africa escape. He told, he told us that he um, is haunted by the image of the boy walking through the wall of fire. Five kids died, he said, and the neighbors lost everything. We failed. It bothers me. Nobody ever seemed to care, right? They don't give a shit because they don't see you as human beings. And that's, what's so frustrating about this. What else do you have to do? Because we are the majority. And what I mean by that, the majority, the majority of people are are the people who go to work, who are law abiding citizens, who are good people, who just want to be left alone. We want to be able to raise our families. We want to be able to make our own decisions. We want to be able to control our own bodies and what goes into it. Yet the government. Wants to overreach, overstep, and tell you, like a child, like an animal, what is best for you. These are the same people who have no problem burning
4: down an entire neighborhood.
1: Okay. Berghire said he only found out later that children had been present in the house. Even to this day, I carry a lot of guilt because of those five kids. I was only a wall away from them. People say to me, but you didn't know. But you can't help thinking about it. They died a horrible death. I feel bad for the guy, but but at the same time, I don't. Because those scumbags he was associated with knew there were kids in there when they dropped that bomb on that place. They knew it. There's no
4: denying it.
1: It's just so disgusting. But you get, okay, so Mike Africa Jr., all right? He, after the event, had many face-to-face meetings with Mayor Wilson Good, who's the one who ordered the bomb to be dropped. And during the secret talks, Africa said, they were the hardest thing I've ever had to do. His great uncle, John Africa, the founder of MOVE, and his cousin, Frank, both died in the 1985 fire. Wilson Good, for me, has always been the boogeyman, he said. After some meetings with him, I came out literally vomiting. He's the face of the bomb that killed my family. The man who said after the bomb was dropped that if, I had, if he had to, he would do it again. Think, think about the insanity of that. Yeah, I'd do it again. I'd kill those people. I wouldn't, wouldn't try to peacefully resolve it. We'll just bomb it and destroy that whole neighborhood. Screw them all. Right? And that's the mentality of your leadership. They would do it again without even thinking about it. He says, so I, so to sit in a room with him, even decades later, was gut-wrenching. He said he disliked the phrase reconciliation, preferring restorative justice. Yeah, reconciliation. That, that, yeah, you want justice for what was done. But even then, you're not going to get justice. There's nothing bringing those people back. The initial demand from MOVE was to have all remaining seven members of the MOVE-9 who had been incarcerated in 1978 siege released. The ambition was fulfilled in February of 2020. He says, now Mike Africa wants to see the release of the of an associated move and former Black Panther member Mumaya Abu-Jamal, who has been incarcerated since 1981 for the murder of a Philadelphia police officer. Africa also wants to see some form of reprimand for those who ordered and participated in the 1985 bombing. Is that too much to ask? To see someone reprimanded for it? Someone held accountable for it. Maybe the mayor who instructed it. Maybe the asshole who dropped it. Maybe all the people who didn't say no along the way that we shouldn't do this. So we go back to Frank Powell, the man who dropped the bomb. He's convinced that the fire that killed eleven people and devastated the area was not caused by the explosives in the satchel, but by the move residents who set fire to their own home in a diluted desire for suicidal martyrdom. Victim blaming, just like they did in Tulsa. Same shit. Blame the dead. They can't speak for themselves. Yeah, it makes sense. No, you you dropped C4 and Tobex on the roof. But no, these people set their house on fire. It had nothing to do with the explosives you dropped on a residential neighborhood. No, makes sense. What we did that day has never bothered me, Frank Powell said. I went up in that helicopter with the truest intentions of getting those people out unharmed. It didn't happen that way, but it wasn't our fault. I can live with that. I mean, what? How How? you went up in the air with a satchel of explosives to get those people out unharmed and it wasn't your fault, who dropped the bomb?
4: Who dropped the bomb on them? It was your fault.
0: It's the government's fault,
1: but they're always going to deflect. Neighbors returned to the shoddy reconstruction in 1986. And by the early 2000s, two thirds of the neighborhood was bought out by the city. Today, the houses are largely vacant. The bombing, now deemed one of the worst tragedies in the history of Philadelphia, lives on in the memories of the city's residents. A few years later, the Waco siege standoff between law enforcement and Texas religious sect would sear its way into the country's consciousness. The MOVE bombing remains largely forgotten nationally much like tulsa tulsa's forgotten locally until recently the police bombing was strongly condemned the move survivors later filed a civil suit against the city of philadelphia and the p uh, philadelphia pd and were awarded 1.5 million dollars in 1996 a settlement roughly of 2.8 million dollars today Other residents displaced by the destruction of the bombing filed civil suit against the city and in 2005 were awarded 12.83 million, roughly 19 million in 2022 in damages. Okay. So what you just saw there was disgusting and senseless, right? Unnecessary. Let's hear some of the testimonies, um, interviews, and and some of the the firsthand accounts of things. So one of the residents, Diane J. of the neighborhood, I went to hang out at the home of my friend-in-laws that day. It was a beautiful day outside, a beautiful neighborhood. They were out of town, and we went to watch the dog. We got there early and hadn't been in the house very long. The police knocked on the door and told us everyone had to leave. There was a swarm of police officers outside. We had no idea what was going on. They told us it was an investigation of the move people on the block over and we could come back later. So we
4: took the dog and left.
1: So the next door neighbor to move the cops evacuated our block the night before a lot of families went to shelters or hotels. My dad took us to a condo. Uh, he started renting that week because my parents went through, uh, with the situation. We took stuff to stay overnight and left everything else in the house, never to see it again. Ramona Africa said in a 2015 interview, please, uh, Commissioner George Sam, uh, Gregor Sambor came out and said, "Attention move. This is America. You have to abide by the laws and the rules of the United States." Or something to that effect, she said. I'm still trying to figure out what he meant by that. After they made that announcement, they didn't just try to wait us out or anything. What was the hurry exactly? What was the hurry? You had the place surrounded. What was the need?
4: No one was killed. No police officers. Why? These people weren't a threat.
1: Okay, so here is a then Philly police sergeant, Albert Revel. He said, the tactical plan, as I understood it, was to remove the move people, all the people from the house safely. By causing a diversion on the roof, inserting the insertion teams on either side of the properties, and by then inducing an amount of CS gas in a sufficient concentration to make those people come out of the house. Well, the problem with that, officer, is that when you did that,
4: when the people tried to leave, they were fired upon, right? So
1: what can they do? You know, I mean, this is just so ridiculous. So Ramon Africa says they aimed four water cannons at our home. We were all in the basement and the water was just pouring down on us for the longest time. Mind you, this is when there was no fire at all. Right. So they're just pouring freezing cold water on these women and children in the basement. Now, there's men in there also, but they know there's women and children in there. That's how they're going to. And, and, and listen, that's fine. If that's the only way you force you're going to use, great. Once you start bringing in tear gas, once you start dropping bombs, you have completely crossed the line. So Michael Ward, lone child survivor. We was in the cellar for a while and tear gas started coming in and we got the blankets as they was wet. And then we put them over our heads and started laying down. This is a child from gas in his own home, fired on him by police. So let's hear what the mayor had to say. There was no way to avoid it. No way to extract ourselves from this, that situation, except by armed confrontation. See, that's it. That's the only solution. Hammer and nail. Right? When you're the hammer, you see every problem as the nail. And that's what they do with with us. We're just a nail. And they'll hit us and hit us and hit us until they get what they want. So let's hear what William Brown III, the special uh, investigation move commission chair said. It was clear that the move people didn't have any automatic weapons. They later found only a couple of shotguns and a rifle in the move house. Yet police fired so many rounds of ammunition, at least 10,000 into that building during that day, that they had to send up to police headquarters to get more. They ran out of ammunition. Like Obama almost ran out of bombs because he dropped so many on Africa and the Middle East. Guys, this is what they think of us.
4: This is our leadership. This is what they do to citizens.
1: How could they decide to fire 10,000 rounds of ammunition into a women into a building full of women and children? That's absolutely insane.
4: Yeah. Ex- exactly.
1: So let's hear, oh, good old Gregor Sambor again, the Philadelphia police commissioner at the time. I had recommended that the best way to use an explosive entry device was to blow a hole in the roof to insert gas through the roof and also to dislodge the bunker. Guys, this is insanity.
4: Insanity.
1: Frank Powell, the man who dropped the bomb. The bunker was not destroyed. There was a hole in the roof, a football-shaped hole, about one foot wide, two foot long. I looked down in the hole, and there was no fire and no smoke. About 15 to 20 minutes later, I started to receive information from stakeout posts that there was a fire. So, he doesn't think so, but let's hear what Ramon Africa said from the inside. We felt the house shake but it hadn't occurred to us that they dropped a bomb. Pretty quickly it got smokier and smokier. At first we thought it was tear gas, but then it got thicker. It started getting hot in there. The house was on fire. And remember what she said? She said they heard the trees crackling on the outside. So let's go back to the, the Mayor Wilson good again. And he goes, "You can always second guess any decision. The one thing we did that went wrong was when the percussion grenade was dropped. It caused a fire." That was an accident. I was saddened by that as anyone else. And that's the same thing we saw in Waco, right? Supposedly the fire started when they were throwing in the tear gas canisters. We all know they intentionally started that fire. You got, you got to be an idiot to believe the report that, yeah, that the that, 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 that Vidians set the fire themselves in some form of martyrdom. It's the same excuse they give here. So let's William Brown, the third, again, this, the chair of the move commission, police officers denied using gunfire, though it is unclear why move members would choose to run back into the fire. Right? Yeah. Why? All right, let's go one more here. uh my hope is that it will be once again a beautiful community and maybe once again we can be extended family we'll be getting to know our neighbors and they'll be getting to know us we must rebuild and remember that day we must remember the children who died the lives who were lost it's a black eye on the city we can't let them forget and i agree that and, and that's why, you know, when I read this, I was like, oh, I got I to gotta put something out on this. Because this isn't the kind of thing that we can just let slide, guys. And it happens over and over again at the hands of our government. The ones who are supposed to be representing us. Okay? The ones who are supposed to have our backs protect us not necessarily, i mean i don't necessarily believe they protect us but that's the idea right
4: but what we see is a constant consistent overuse of force and what it results in is death unnecessary death
1: Unnecessary loss of life, and it's it's frustrating because we see it now, and and, and with the twenty four seven news cycle, you don't miss any of it. It's constant. It's all over the place, and you see it over and over again, where governments overreach their bounds, commit crimes against their citizens, and no one's held accountable.
4: And that's all I really want.
1: I want everyone to be held accountable. The world would be a much better place if everyone was held accountable for their actions. Regardless of your social status. Regardless of your income. Regardless of your race, religion, creed, sexuality. Based on being a human being.
4: We should all be held to the same standard. Everyone. But that's not the case. We all know that. There are various levels to this system. Those at the top get away with a lot more. Those at the bottom tend to pay for it. Tend to have... Feel the brunt of it.
1: You have the haves and the have nots, right? And that's what's, you know, they want to drive that division further and further. But we can fight back, guys. But we have to unite. We have to come together. We have to object to this behavior. We have to say, no, we're not going to accept this. This isn't how things are done. You represent us. We're not going to let you do these things to us. But the problem is, too many just say yes. Thank you. Thank you, sir. May I have another? No matter what the government does to them. They'll come crawling back on all fours. Just please protect me. Keep me safe. It's the ultimate form of Stockholm Syndrome. Where how many times can your captor beat you and you you just fall deeper and deeper in love with them? The more they abuse you, the more strongly you feel for them. The more they mask you, they cover you up.
4: They take away your dignity. At what point do we do we stop and say no, this isn't acceptable? And push back.
1: And the way this is going to get solved, guys, it's not by legislation. More laws is not the answer. And that's their answer. Why? Because it's a bunch of bullshit they can throw out there and nothing really ever gets done. And who pays for it? Not them
4: not the man in the high castle, us,
1: the majority, right? Law-abiding citizens, people who just want to be left alone, just want to be able to live their life free of outside intervention.
4: But you can't have that
1: because the government has to know what you're doing they have to be able to tax you for it right you want to get married pay a tax you want to drive on the car drive a car pay a tax want to buy a house pay a tax want to buy some land pay a tax you're going to die yeah you get taxed on that too work a job pay taxes go buy anything more taxes buy some fuel taxes in there too right guys so we we keep seeing it over and over again but what what i wanted to as you can see i'm in a little bit of a uh battle against the government right now and the atrocities that they've committed along the way and uh tulsa and philadelphia are just two recent examples One of the things I want to look at in in an upcoming episode is the way the American government treated the natives. Like we talked about in the beginning here, what they did to those 297 Sioux that were slaughtered needlessly, unnecessarily.
4: And guys, this wasn't an accident. This was intentional.
1: This was genocide. You can cover it up by saying it was the war of 1812. You can cover it up by saying there were numerous Indian massacres on innocent. No, this was genocide. These people came over here to wipe out the natives, take the land, take control of the resources. And this was part of the agenda. And as you saw, the natives got in the way. Natives pushed back. Natives were dealt with in the way that this, these governments deal with people.
4: They kill you. They make you addicts. They give you drugs, alcohol.
1: And they ruin your lives. So what we're going to look at in, in an upcoming show is a combination of two things that I love. One is bizarre disasters or natural disasters of the 1800s and uh how that ties in with natives how it ties in with the war of 1812 with napoleon or tecumseh's comet and the new madrid earthquake the earthquake that caused the mississippi to change directions very interesting stuff, guys, and and I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed this. And if you do enjoy this episode, do me a favor, rate it, leave a review, share it. Okay, I I, I appreciate all that. Um, I see some people sharing my stuff on Instagram. I, I thank you all very much. Uh, you know, I, it really means a lot to me that 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 people enjoy this stuff. Um, guys, you want to make contributions to the show? You can go to patreon.com slash the Great Deception Podcast. You can go check out some videos of my videos on YouTube at the Great Deception Podcast. And then uh, like I said, you can hit me up on Instagram at the Great Deception Podcast. Go check out the merch in the merch store. Uh links down below. And uh guys, I just want to say thank you again. Um I look forward to uh, speaking with you all soon. Everyone do me a favor. Stay strong and question everything.
3: cruelty and injustice, intolerance and oppression, And where once you had the freedom to object, to think and speak as you saw fit, you now have sensors and systems of surveillance coercing your conformity and suggesting your submission. we need cameras. How did this happen? Who's to blame? Well, certainly there are those who are more responsible than others. And they will be held accountable. But again, truth be told, if you're looking for the guilty, you need only look into a mirror. I know why you did it. I know you were afraid. Who wouldn't be? War, terror, disease, there were a myriad of problems which conspired to corrupt your reason and rob you of your common sense. Fear got the best of you, and in your panic you turned to the now High Chancellor, Adam Sutler. He promised you order, he promised you peace, and all he demanded in return was your silent, obedient consent.